midst of uh, times of difficulty, in the midst of crisis, we have to proclaim the greatness, the goodness of the Lord. He is always more than any crisis, more than any situation that we might face. And uh, as we proclaim His goodness, His greatness, His power, His lordship, His sovereignty, His all-knowing nature, we are uh, waging spiritual warfare. We are changing the fabric of uh, reality. We are operating on the very structure of life and of circumstances. Do not neglect in your times of uh, being alone in your home to uh, worship the Lord. Just put on some good music. Go deep into it. Inhabit the words. Make them your own. And proclaim the greatness of God. He is sitting on His throne. He, nothing has changed, ultimately. God has not been taken by surprise by what has taken place and what is going on right now. He knows exactly why. I wish I could uh, see in the spirit realm at times like these and understand all the things that are going on <clears throat> um, in the spirit world right now. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even getting into my sermon, but let me just flow freely here. We have to relax. Um, uh, there, there's so many passages in Scripture that uh, teach us how... There's a parallel reality, and as believers, we have to know that, of course, that there's always a supernatural reality beyond and below and within the visible, the material. And there are moments when uh, men of God were able to see what was going on in the spirit realm, even as uh, they went through crisis. I'm thinking of Elisha uh, with the Syrians when his uh, servant goes uh, out in the morning and he discovers that they're surrounded by this mighty uh, Syrian army that is threatening them, and um, he panics, as we are all, you know, tempted to panic in times like the ones that we're living now, but Elisha knows better, and Elisha has been gifted with the capacity to see in the spirit realm, and so Elisha asks, Father, give this panicking human being the capacity to look in the realm of the spirit and to see what is really going on. And so the Lord opens uh, the eyes of uh, Elisha's servant and he see, sees this mightier, much mightier army of angels in uh, chariots of fire surrounding the uh, enemy uh, army in a signal of uh, God's lordship, his power, and his sovereignty. And we know the story that um, God works in a mighty, miraculous way and without Elisha or anyone having to intervene, this army is all of a sudden confused, hypnotized, so to speak, and put right into the arms and under the control of uh, Elisha's uh, prophetic person. So uh, they were able to see, you know, in the spirit realm. And I, I was also reading, and I may pray about or preach about this passage in the future, when um, Israel is uh, visited with a great plague, just as we are facing right now. David had uh, sinned, and um, he uh, had incurred God's, God's wrath, and as, as the spiritual head of uh, Israel, he had poisoned the spiritual um, dimension of, of his nation, and God unleashed a, a very deadly plague. And, you know, again, these are the mysteries of God. He does inhabit many times places that we cannot go into. Things can be sinister many times in the spirit realm, and we are not at all able sometimes to judge God's extraordinary activities. But the fact was that there was a plague released on the land. And again, you know, those people who were probably experience, who were experiencing this plague, they, 
they had no clue, perhaps, about what was going on in the spirit realm. But again, we are given a, a view of this uh, angel standing between heaven and earth, um, governing this moment of crisis in uh, the life of Israel. And the Bible speaks of this other angel, a, 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 an angel of death, almost, the angel of the Lord moving and um, wreaking, wreaking all kinds of havoc in the nation through this plague. And so we're able to see all of a sudden that there was a, there was a spiritual dimension beyond the biological, beyond the medical situation. And uh, David intervened, interceded for mercy from God, and God intervened in a very mysterious way. And we will talk perhaps about this in another time. But the plague was uh, stopped. Interestingly enough, out of that terrible situation um, emerged the place where later on the temple uh, of uh, Israel would be constructed. And, you know, it just seems to me so uh, mysterious that this place of great uh, destruction where this angel of death was operating for destruction becomes the place for worship later on in the history of uh, Israel. So there are mysteries, you know, and I believe that out of this extraordinary situation, many wonderful things will happen as well. Um, God will use this for His glory, and it's up to God's people to read into the spirit realm and, and to give the people counsel, to give this nation counsel. I pray for godly counsel coming from the mouths of God's prophets and pastors and teachers in the next weeks and months, that we can interpret appropriately what is going on in the spiritual realm. But know that uh, God is always in control, that there, there's a mysterious side to all that is happening. And you know, the beautiful thing is that we don't just inhabit the, the material realm. As God's people, the, the Bible says that the, the, the man of the Spirit, the woman of the Spirit, can judge, can um, sort of uh, interpret both the, the material and the spiritual realm. So I pray that God will give us understanding as to what He wants us to do in this time. Don't just focus on what is happening right now at the physical level. There's so much more. And as God's people, we are always called to move also in the spiritual realm. Let's ask God for understanding. Don't just stay in the physical, because if you do, then you may be uh, liable to fall into despair, into loneliness and uh, doubt God's goodness. So Stay in the Word, stay in the Spirit, and ask the Lord to give you also spiritual understanding. But that's just, uh, that's free. That, that's, I, I, I didn't start, you know, I didn't come in to, to talk about that in particular. I just want to very quickly touch on four points. Uh, four things that I'm thankful for. Four things that I'm thankful for during this time. It may seem strange to you that I want to speak about thankfulness and gratitude. But that's what the Lord put in my heart. Um, this is the way that believers really look at reality. Uh, we, we, we are called in the Bible to be thankful in all things, to be thankful in all things, all situations. We have to be thankful to the Lord. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We have to remain joyful. Joy is a weapon against uh, fear. But I'm thankful to the Lord, I'm thankful to the Lord this morning, number one, for the assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm thankful because I know that the bottom line is that the enemy cannot touch my soul. 
no matter what happens, this crisis cannot touch my spirit or my soul. That um, if I should perish, and I'm not saying that any of us will perish. As a matter of fact, I'm declaring safety and I'm declaring healing for our land. But you know, Christians, we carry this card with us all, always. Is that our eternal destiny, our eternal life is secure in Jesus Christ. And in times of crisis, this is our line of first defense and of last defense. I think of Romans chapter 8 that says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And of course, the answer is nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You know, I choose to interpret that this morning as um, the fact that we are always exposed to death. It's not just now in this uh, time of epidemic. We are children. We are mortal. We are frail. We are all always, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, we face death all day long. So, um, but this is not where he stays. He goes on in verse 38, Romans 8 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Look at the encompassing nature of what he says, you know, we're free from, we are protected from ultimately. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. He says, you know, if I forgot something, I'm going to put it in this last rubric nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are safe, we are secure in this Christ that we know. Our ultimate existence, our life is safely hidden in Christ. The Apostle Paul says that we are hidden, our life is hidden in Christ and that we are infinitely valuable to our loving Father through Jesus Christ who has made us sons and daughters of the Father. So I'm thankful to the Lord that I can be secure in my knowledge that, you know, no matter what happens, ultimately, um, you know, my life is sure because I have Jesus, I have Christ, and uh, nothing else can really ultimately do me any harm. Matthew chapter 10, listen to these words, says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I praise the Lord that, you know, hell doesn't apply to me. As long as I'm in Christ, I'm sure, I'm secure. You know, the, the Apostle Paul says that, you know, if I, he says, I am, I am here in this world only, you know, to the degree that I can do good for the kingdom, that I can advance the kingdom. I'm happy because I'm here only because of that, because otherwise to be with the Lord is much better. Um, and, and the body to him doesn't really matter that much because he knows his soul, which is the really important piece, is secure in God. And uh, these times are teaching us, and I hope that there are many learning about um, this essential truth that we need to be aware of the eternal. We need to be aware of heaven and hell. We need to be aware of the destiny of our souls. We're, what are we sowing into? What are we planting in our lives? What are we living for? We need to live for eternity. We say all kinds of things. There's a lot of rhetoric that we evangelicals uh, kind of, you know, 
uh, handle and execute all the time. We say this, we say that, but do we truly believe it? Um, are we secure in this God who has uh, bought us with uh, the precious blood of Christ? He has secured our eternal destiny. That is ultimately what matters because anything else be, you know, below that, it, it's, you know, cherry on top. Um, we know that ultimately our destiny, our life is secure in Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that this morning. And I, I beg you to <clears throat> dwell on this truth. You are secure in God's hands. Your life is secure in God's hands. Nothing worse can happen to you. If you die, and I'm not saying that you will, understand me, you know, you've, you've got that covered as well. And I, I don't believe that we will die. I believe that this is for life. This is for uh, preservation of life. God is doing something really good in the world right now, and he will cover his children. But even if the worst happens, psychologists ask us many times, hey, think, if you're in a crisis, think of the worst that can happen within that. And then ask yourself if you can live with it, if you can handle it. You know, I believe that as we look at some of the alternatives that are before us, we can handle it, we can live with it. And even if we could not, we have this safety, this security, this last uh, card that we can play, which is that our life, our eternal destiny is in Jesus Christ. Everything else, by comparison, is totally secondary. So I'm grateful to the Lord for this assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. The second thing that I am thankful to God uh, today is that power of Christ that lives within me. The power of Christ that lives within me. You and I um, do not depend on ourselves to handle this crisis. Remember that. It's not your, you know, your courage. It's not your strength. It's not your skills to find the, the way through this situation. As a matter of fact, there's very little that we can do in many ways. We're spectators of what's going on. But we have this power of Christ uh, within us. I'm reminded of the words of the apostle again. I can do all things in Christ who lives in me and strengthens me. Do we believe that? How many times have we uh, said those words? We have even memorized them. Well, this applies now. All things. This is an all things situation. I feel secure. You should feel secure that within you pulsates right now and lives the wisdom of God, the counsel of God, the power of God, um, the provision of God. Hold on to that. Think about that. Believe it. I don't have the solution. You don't have the solution for how you're going to get out of this tight spot that you're in, but God has it. And if you cultivate actively that sense of um, God's power within you, you confess it, you declare it, you meditate on it, God will find a way. He has never failed you until this point. He will not fail you yet. He will show you how to handle this crisis. That, that power of Christ that lives in us. I, I'm reminded also of Romans chapter 8, verse 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And this is through Jesus Christ and the power that lives within us. You know, as a church, Congregation Lion of Judah, actually, I think we are thriving in the midst of this crisis. We're learning all kinds of new things. I don't think I've had a, 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 you know, a time of more learning in, the, in ministry than, than this past few days. As a church, you know, we've had to, the leaders have had to huddle around each other and come up with ideas. Um, we're still coming up with ideas and new ways of doing church. 
We have asked the Lord to give us wisdom to minister effectively to our congregation, and we will be learning, and we have more that, that is ahead. Last night, for example, I prayed with about a dozen believers from the group that went to Israel. They put a chat, uh, or rather, they, they, they uh, put a, a conference call number, and, uh, you know, we met over the internet, and at 8 p.m., we were all praying together and declaring God's goodness, and, you know, we've never, we hadn't done that before. I mean, we've had kinds of a conference calls and so on, but we're going to be developing some of those mechanisms so that people can connect. And this Wednesday, by the way, the English ministry, even though you cannot meet in the regular Wednesday night service, Pastor Sam will be leading a uh, prayer time through the internet, and we will provide, this is why it's important that you connect with our webpage. Go to the webpage during the week, and we will provide a link uh, that you can get a phone number that you can connect to on Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m., and we will be leading a time of prayer that way. But again, what I'm discovering is that, you know, God is wiring this congregation, but also all kinds of churches all over this nation, all over the world. Pastors are learning all kinds of skills, how to use the Internet, how to stream their services live, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so I think that's going to make us a stronger church. We're going to be better connected in the future, I believe, because of all this that we're learning right now. I'm already realizing that many of the things that we're trying to do now provisionally should become permanent features of the church, ways to pray during the week, ways to connect with each other through the Internet. And you, I, I suggest and I pray that you will learn. Do not be afraid of the Internet. If we say, I can do all things in Christ, that includes learning how to use our intelligent phones and how to do even basic stuff. Don't be intimidated. Try to develop new skills so that you can be connected and you can uh, continue to navigate this crisis that way. You know, the Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content under whatever the circumstances. I, I know what is to be in need and I know what is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's in Philippians 4, by the way, if you want to use it later on, verse 11 and on. I, I, in other words, I have learned to, do, to, to thrive in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is the, the, the um, punchline. I can do all this through Him, who? Through Christ, who strengthens me, who gives me strength. It is through Him. I'm thankful to the Lord today that I have the power of Christ in me that His power is way above any crisis. This may not be the last crisis that we face, my brothers and sisters, as nations. There may be other things that may come along the way. Who knows? I'm not trying to be alarmist here. But the, the, the reason why that doesn't bother me as much is because I know that the power of God is always X plus 1. The power of God is always more than whatever situation uh, might uh, confront us. So I'm thankful for the power of Christ that is in me. I'm thankful for this assurance of salvation that my life is hidden in the hands of this beautiful God that I have. The third thing that I'm thankful for is, uh, and this may sound strange to you, is the privilege of seeing the frailty of the world and the vanity of life. The privilege of seeing in high definition the frailty of this world and the vanity of life. Why do I consider that a privilege? Because uh, we have been given a privileged insight into um, the inner workings of um, nations and governments and, and to realize how fragile these systems of the world ultimately are. 
and by comparison, how much more power and solidity there is in knowing Christ and knowing how the spirit world is governed and how the, the material world is governed. And I say that it's a privilege because, you know, I have always thought what a privilege, privilege it is for doctors to see the mystery of the human body when they perform an operation, to see the human body operating in all its complexity. Imagine what it is to open up a, a, a body and to see the insides of that body, to see it pulsating, to see a heart beating, to see veins uh, with blood coursing through them, even to, to see the, the less dignified aspects of the human body, to be able to operate on those things. These are things that 99.9% .9 of humanity or even more do not get to see. We only see the, the, the outside. Doctors have this capacity to go deep into the human body and see the mystery. They have the capacity to, to see a child being born, to see it exit through its uh, mother's womb, that first cry of a, of a life, the, the joy of a mother receiving their child, um, you know, the, the, this mystery of life, the mystery of death even, the sad moment when a life departs and being part of that mystery. You know, they, they're able to see the inside workings of, of, uh, uh, of the human body. Well, you know, in a way, we are being treated right now to an inside look at um, how the world functions. You know, I've been able to see, and I think you also have been able to see, how frail these mighty human systems are tru truly are. How easily uh, an entire structure, this apparatus of uh, government and uh, finance and technology can just uh, reveal its true fragility, its true frailty. How easy it is for our lives to be upended and to, to be completely, um, you know, turned upside down. And in a moment's notice, everything changes. And we are like frail children in the hands of something that we cannot control. That is the mystery of life. And I think it's a privilege because um, it allows us to, to see that our foundation should be on something else. It should not be on the world, on finances, on our jobs. How many people are now contemplating having to sell their beautiful, shiny BMWs or even their home? I don't rejoice in that at all. It's a great tragedy. But I do, I do um, consider it a great lesson, a moral lesson. Because in, when you see negativity um, at times, and when you see the frailty of people, you can then get a lesson in soberness, not to fall in love with anything. I've always thought, you know, our children need to go to a courthouse sometime and see what happens, you know, when a person is there before a judge, how frail they are, how exposed they are to a judicial system. Um, you know, uh, our generation hasn't really seen a whole lot. This, there's a whole segment of humanity that has not seen great tragedy. The wars that our other generations saw, perhaps, and all other kinds of suffering. And I, be, I have always thought that the suffering, well handled, and looked at through the lenses of the Spirit, can actually strengthen us, make us more sober, wiser, more dependent on God, humbler, more attuned to, the, to eternity and to the Spirit realm. God, in His severe mercy, sometimes allow these things to shake the nations and to show them that all, all their self-sufficiency, all their technology, all their power, um, you know, these great things that uh, modernity has given us, in a moment's time, all of that just becomes totally useless and worthless. 
And this is nothing, I mean, really, when you think about all the evils that could visit humanity, cataclysms, plagues worse than this, natural disasters, you know, I mean, so far, we have it kind of uh, easy in a way. And, um, you know, humanity can be stopped. Think of the Twin Towers, how the whole world almost came to a halt as well. You know, do not fall in love with anything of this world. That's what 1 John 2 says. Verse 15, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, hear this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. This is it. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This world is frail. This world is passing. You know, don't become enamored with anything of the world. If the Lord gives you riches and a good job and prosperity, by all means, enjoy it. If the Lord gives you a good marriage and beautiful children, praise the Lord. Enjoy it. But don't hold on to it. Do not become dependent on it. Always take a pill of soberness and say to yourself, this is not permanent. This is not me. This is not what I depend on. Yield it to the Lord preemptively. Say, Father, I give it all to you. You know, when you get that big promotion, when you buy that beautiful car, give it to the Lord. Sign a blank page and say, Father, do whatever you want with it. This is not permanent. This is not me. And, you know, that will keep you. That will protect you. I think one of the reasons why sometimes many crises visit the world is because... People are so secure. They're so idolatrous. They are always worshiping, not actively, but they're worshiping subliminally, subconsciously, all the things that they have. And they're basing their well-being on those things. I believe that the most uh, powerful weapon and the most defensive thing you can do is to give everything to the Lord before He takes it away. Just give it to the Lord. Yield it to the Lord. Over and over again, pray, Father, this is yours. Whenever somebody praises you for something you do well in your job, whenever you get a raise or a promotion, Father, I give you the glory. I give you the glory. It's in your hands. If you want, take it away, but I, I, I give you the power. I give you the authority. Don't become enamored with anything. I'm thankful that during this crisis, I'm able to see the, the, the collective body in its insights. I'm able to see economies, how they can easily just come to a halt. Government, how easily it can become confused. Technology, how easily it can become insufficient. And these are the things that we need to always keep in mind. When this crisis is over, do not forget this lesson. It's a, it's a privilege to have lived this time. Let me tell you, it is a privilege for believers to be able to see this aspect of reality. Carry that lesson with you in the coming days and use it proactively and you will be, be a much stronger safer individual and family. The last thing, the fourth thing that I'm grateful for during this time, and this, is, this will be very different. Listen to this. I'm grateful to the Lord for good government and for good systems in our nation. I've just said that, you know, governments are frail and passing and so on and so forth. But, you know, uh, as I've seen the news and I've heard all the things that are happening and all the things that um, are being done on behalf of this nation, I'm thankful to the Lord for the President of the United States. I'm thankful for the Congress, the House of Representatives, for the Senate. I'm thankful for the Vice President. 
I'm thankful for um, all these financial analysts and all of these individuals who are masters in handling economies, who are doing all kinds of things to keep this economy flowing and to, to do the things that need to be done. I'm thankful to the Lord for doctors and nurses. You know, even as we put our faith in the Lord first and foremost, we have to be grateful for these heroic men and women in our nation, for ambulance drivers, for people who are risking life and limb to take care of others, becoming uh, infected with uh, the virus, and yet there they are in the front lines serving. I'm grateful for hospitals, for administrators. Praise the Lord, because this is a manifestation of God's grace in the world. We should never be ungrateful and sort of give just, you know, everything. Oh, God, you know, we don't recognize. No, we have to recognize the goodness that is in these systems. America has a good system. You may not, you know, see everything the same regarding our president or, the, you know, the things that are happening. But you cannot deny that we have right now a good system at work as good as I think any human society can produce. Um, right now, a lot of stuff is being done to stabilize this ship. And despite all its imperfections, I think America has one of the best systems in the world. And we got to pray for our president. Regardless of where you stand uh, with respect to him, pray. You know 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and I would say presidents, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Why does he talk about people being saved and to come to the knowledge of uh, the truth? Because I, I believe that what he's saying is if we pray for our government, regardless of uh, who they are, whether we're in agreement with them or not. I mean, Paul was asking, us to, to pr was asking believers that, of that first century to pray for emperors and, and people who were persecuting the church and who had absolutely no knowledge of God or of Christ. And yet he said, pray for them. Because when we have good government then the church is free to preach the gospel. People are at peace to hear the word of God. When we have a good platform under us, then all kinds of wonderful things can happen on top of that platform. So I encourage you to pray for those heroic uh, doctors, nurses, um, hospital workers of all sorts. As I said, ambulance drivers, EMTs, policemen and women who are out there our National Guard, um, as I say, all of our government uh, officials, um, the people who are handling the financial crisis. And let's pray for justice to be done. Let's pray that it's not just the corporations that will be protected and uh, the, the rich, but the poorest among us, the most frail among us, that God will give them wisdom so they can guide us safely through this journey. But I thank God that we live in a nation that really, you know, enjoys good government, good systems that we are seeing now in operation that are, are keeping us, I believe, as safe as we could be in these times of a great crisis. So four things I'm thankful for, and I hope that you can join me in that thankfulness. The assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ. The power of Christ that lives within us.
the privilege of seeing the true nature of the world in the light of God's eternal reality. And finally, I'm thankful for good government and good systems that are operating right now in our nation. I could go on and on. I'm so grateful that I can live this time and that I can interpret it through the lenses of eternity and of the Word of God. I bless you. Father, this morning we are frail children in your hands, your loving, fatherly hands that never fail. You are watching over us. You're watching over this frail nation. You're watching over the nations of the, of the earth. And we are mindful of every country, every society that right now is either being threatened or in the midst of great crisis like Italy or, or Spain or Iran. We pray for every nation, small and large, those that know Christ and those that don't know Christ. Lord, we pray that you would use this situation for the spreading of the gospel, that your church will arise and rise to the occasion and proclaim a gospel of hope and a gospel of victory. We thank you because we are not alone. We are not left to our own devices. Even when we are going through times of crisis, the Spirit of God rests upon us even more powerfully than before. And this is what we are declaring this morning. Thank you for being able to be with our brothers and sisters through the internet. I pray that your holy presence will make itself felt in every home, in our church, and all over America. We pray for the peace, the shalom of God that passes all understanding. We pray for life, and we pray for healing. We pray for peace. We pray for your wisdom. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Be blessed. We'll continue to be in touch. Please do visit our webpage, and uh, there's all kinds of things right now there. There's a little entry, COVID-19, <laughs> kind of sinister, but that's what it is, COVID-19 info. And you can go in there, and we'll be putting more and more stuff in there for you to see. I declare God's blessing in your life.